shoot. Pull back, step back, three. Bottom! The handoff. Jones for the tie. Oh, he's fouled! And one! He's still loose. Doherty the heave. Oh, oh my God! Southern Utah. Oh, Southern Utah is going to do something he's never done. Happy Friday, everybody. It is another episode of the Straight Out of Whack podcast. We decided to wing it on this Friday. My co-host, Spencer McLaughlin, he has been a busy man. There is some realignment news that has come out yesterday uh, with regard to the Pac-12, which if you haven't checked it out, Spence is the host of the Locked on Ducks. It's Locked on Ducks, right, podcast? Locked on Ducks and Locked on Pac-12, two two separate shows that have had a little bit of crossover in terms of uh, – content selection recently due to the Colorado news. It's all been been flying around, and there's only about 578 different angles to attack that sort of story. Oh, goodness. And, and you know, that's on top of USC and UCLA leaving for the Big Ten. What is that, 2024, 25? Is that yeah, right? Start, yeah, everything, everything starts next year. Colorado will be back in the Big 12 next year. USC and UCLA will be in the Big Ten next year. Times be a-changing, Kyle. Times oh, be wow. a-changing. Good grief. Well, it, well, we'll get to the realignment stuff here to see if there's any thoughts on how it can impact down line from the, the Power Five, you know, conferences. But a couple of weeks ago, it came out. The WAC had voted on limiting the number of non-Division One games that teams could schedule on their, you know, put on their non-conference schedule. It's down, I believe it was three at the maximum. I think it's down to two. It's down to two now. Uh, I really like it. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think that... If we could get rid of all non-D1 games, that would be perfect. I know non-Division One schools don't like to hear that, but n- those games don't serve a purpose for anybody. Yeah, right? so like, it, it's not it's you get you get a home game, but still, it doesn't help you or hurt you. You you and I agree on this wholeheartedly because here's the thing with a college basketball non-Division One game. Yeah, you have a home game, but it is a matchup that a lot of students or alumni or fans or parents, is it a game that they want to see? Only the parents of the kids who are going to play for, you know, the the only time all season, right? Like that's going to be their chance. That's the only upside that's there. And look, for me as as a play-by-play guy in the WAC, if people don't know, I do play-by-play for uh, for Southern Utah. I, I don't love those games because right. they're not as exciting of a product, but they're also not benefiting your school. I, I think the people they benefit the most, I think you you could argue are the coaches because it, it goes on their win total. And then at the end of however many years, you know, when you look back and say, oh, my record as a coach, you know, if you were interviewing somewhere else, like if you were um, uh, like, uh, who, why am I just Mark Madsen just went from Utah Valley to Cal You're a Pac-12 guy too you should I know, know. I know it, it left my head for a fleeting moment I've been too ensconced in realignment and football and mostly realignment so anyway so Mark Madsen who is off to a good start at Cal by the way if people did not know is bringing in real talent and like they could be a solid team in the Pac-12 this year but Mark Madsen at Utah Valley, when he goes to interview there, or when he's trying to get on their radar, there are elements that are far more impactful, which is why I think you could easily sell coaches on not having those non-Division One games. But at the end of the day, it, it does very marginally, but it helps your win percentage. Like, it can be the difference between you. Think about this. 
It could be the difference between you putting together a 20-win season and not putting together a 20-win season. And is that not something that SIDs and athletic directors and alumni, they love to say, ooh, three straight 20-win seasons or five straight 20-win seasons. Two of them were 21-12 and seasons, and they had three wins against non-D1s in there. That might change if you, you know, shift the schedule around in a different light. But the flip side of the coin is you're missing out on an opportunity for your program to play a better team that can raise your profile. So it might be better in some instances in a small window for coaches, but it, I, I don't think it's on the whole better for the program or for the coach, even if you're looking at it from that angle. And this is just my, my viewpoint on it, because what's more valuable? Trouncing a Division three or NAIA school by 50 points and setting a bunch of you know, individual and team records in the game that everyone looks at and goes, well, you were playing you know, so-and-so, so what is that really worth? Or is it going out and playing a school from, you know, if you're in the WAC, the Mountain West, Conference USA, the Big Sky, the, the, the PAC, like whatever league you want, the Big West. Like what is more valuable to you? Three wins against non-Division one schools or, or the opportunity to pick up one win against a school from a legitimate conference? And to me, the answer is the latter every single time. And I think it's better for fans. It's better for me as a broadcaster. And I think it's better for the programs as well. Yeah, so one thing that, that people don't realize is those non-D1 games, they don't count in your net. Like, they don't. Like, so if you have a team, if, let's put two yeah, teams on the bubble, right, that are right there, similar net rankings, but the one school hasn't played any non-D1, so it actually shows 25 wins compared to 21 for the other school. They're going to take that school that hasn't played any non-D1s. That, that's just the way it is. Like, they don't count your net, so they don't they don't hurt you. I mean, they don't benefit you in a way. Sure, in the win column, it, it gets that winning percentage. But if you if you win, they don't count towards your net. They don't help you in the possible LR. Not not that the wax is going to be there right now, but right. They don't help you. Like let's take a Sam Houston last year and a Utah Valley. They both played three non D ones, so that hurt them if they were ever going to be in that at large discussion. So I, I think for the NCAA know, tournament, by the way, just right. to be clear, when yep. you because we were talking about that last season, you and I discussed it on on my radio show at the time frequently. It was. Hey, could this be a two-bid league? Could you have Utah Valley and Sam Houston if we, you know one wins this and one wins that, or could you have the tournament champion and one of the like? It's, it was a conversation, but the non-D1 games count against you. Yep. So we've now established that it's not great for the fans and broadcasters as well. It's not great for the program, and it's not great for the conference either. Well, three strikes, you're out. Speaking of that, with regard to the seating system. If you play, let's, let's okay. GCU just put out their non-conference schedule yesterday. They don't have any non-D ones on their schedule. They have one as an exhibition game, but the rest are Division One games. Sure, they leave Phoenix one time in their non-conference schedule to play at Liberty. I, I'm still not sure on the date uh, that they're waiting for Liberty to release that because it's their home game. But like, if Utah Valley has two non-D one games on their schedule because they wanted to get a home game. That hurts them in this whack resume seating because now GCU has more opportunities to get points than Utah Valley does. And 
We saw how close it was in the WAC resume seating system mm -hmm. on the men's side last year between Sam Houston and Utah Valley. So one extra non-D1 game could be the difference between a one and two seed, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, how that's going to play out and how important it is to be in the mix for a one or two seed this year. But I I, I like that they're, they're going away from it. I like that it was voted on that they're going away from it. They understand that they're not of any value to any teams. Uh, and I just, I think it was and, the right And real quick, Kyle, they're not even of tremendous value to the non-D1 programs. Like right. you're going in there to get your teeth kicked in, but this is not like football. So football, when an FCS program, like all the ones in the WAC, go play a Power 5, it's because there is a paycheck that goes along with it. Yep. And that money significantly helps fund anything and everything within the athletic department. Kent State, for instance, is a great example. Did you know that Kent State football last year brought in over $2 million for their athletic department in three football games? They went to play Washington, Georgia, and Oklahoma. They got housed in all of them. But guess what? They brought in over $2 million combined in those games. And for a G5 or a non-Power 5 or low to mid-major conference that's a lot of money. That does a lot for your athletic department. But these games with the non-D1s, they're not walking home with a fat paycheck. They're just getting enough to cover their travel expenses, maybe. And a touch more. Like, it, it, it's not... It, if you take these games away, the financial realities of the non-D1 schools athletic departments, they don't change. Whereas if you removed by games from college football, suddenly FCS schools, you can have a lot of them really strapped for cash really quickly. Right. And there's such a justification here too when you talk about they're getting their travel paid for. This is where the justification to play in-state games comes in. Where Utah Valley should be playing BYU, Utah, Weber State, Utah State, Southern Utah should, Utah Tech should. All of the in-state schools should be playing each other, but this is a whole nother discussion for another podcast episode. That's where the net comes in with the fact that a school like Utah or Utah State can schedule a bunch of cupcakes to come to Logan because they're going to have more quad one opportunities throughout their conference season. So they don't want to play teams that might actually have a chance at beating them like we've seen in the past. So scheduling this whole putting it together and having to avoid ninety ones. It's that is a topic for that. We could go on for days about right. Spencer, like it, it is, you know, my biggest beef with college sports football in particular, because I think basketball does a lot of things, right? There's certainly not everything, but a lot of things, right? My biggest beef with college football, everyone says it's real. I mean, realignment might be now, but it's, you know, NIL is the biggest problem or the portal or this or that or we need. And I'm like, scheduling is the biggest problem yeah. in college football. A lot of things come back to scheduling. Not everyone can make the playoff. That's because you're setting your schedules eight years in advance. What are you doing? You are banking on what exactly? A school being good seven, eight years? From, you have no idea where they're going to be. You can't even guarantee to me right now Alabama will be good in 10 years. You know how I know that? Because 10 years before Alabama started their dynasty, they weren't doing a whole heck of a lot compared to what they do now. You can't know anything. And scheduling in advance rather than on an annual basis like college basketball does, the National College Basketball Broadcast Schedule, Kyle, is tremendous every single year. 
You get ranked matchups. You get these invitationals where you have a bunch of great teams, where you have intriguing matchups, where you have opportunities to bolster your resume, to make a statement. They do it every single year. The conference challenges, you know, Big 12 SEC or Big 10 ACC challenge, all that stuff is fantastic. They do it every year and they do a really, really good job. And I wish college football would adopt that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, and they, they kind of do it, but they kind of don't. You get some of these neutral site early games instead of being on camera. I think somebody, it was a Iman Brennan wrote something about how college basketball needs to get back to having on-campus games instead of having all these big matchups on neutral sites. Like, give the students what they want. Like, reward the students well, for attendance. So, in college football, again, I agree, but you have so many more games in basketball I understand the neutral site appeal because there are going to be a lot of games in those in those arenas throughout the course of the season. Playing a couple, you know, elsewhere in the Bahamas or Hawaii or anything like that. The downside is definitely you don't get these big time crowds the way that you would perhaps like. Sometimes you can. Like I remember, uh, I think Duke. No, no, no. Gonzaga was playing. I think it was Duke. Might have been might have been Duke or North Carolina in a non-conference in Vegas a couple of years ago and it was like a top 5 matchup and it was in Las Vegas, right? Not close or not right next to either. It was packed. Yeah. It was absolutely packed. You can get that every now and then, but most of them are, you know, kind of middling environments and crowds are what make the games uh really 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 special and, and awesome in in that sense, but I'm a little bit more okay with it because you can have some cool spectacles like playing sure. on an aircraft carrier yeah. last year it was gonzaga michigan state on an aircraft carrier that was awesome yeah. it was that, that was that was awesome See, I, can, I can handle that but i mean like i think it was iman brennan wrote it after north carolina and kansas have agreed to a home and home like one in lawrence and one in the dean dome yeah like and i like that I'm staying, doing all the games there I don't, you, you're still gonna have your mts you're still gonna have some of your the champions class so but like get some of those games as a home and home like that, that would be awesome to see at some point um, to get kind of back to like Indiana, Kentucky. I, I don't think they've played since 2012, if I remember right. And they used to play every year. So Indiana and Kentucky haven't played since 2012. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's beat in, in the, uh, the freedom hall up there in Bloomington. Oh yeah. That's yeah. See, that's ridiculous. That's utterly ridiculous. Right. Like, so come that's on. what we're saying. Like that, that's why BYU is not going to schedule Utah Valley for a little while because Utah Valley's beat them on back-to-back years, and now that they're in the Big Twelve, they know that they can't afford to lose to Utah Valley because it's going which to hurt is, which is why, court. and this is how it's similar to college football. Schools having the power to set their schedule is what is wrong here. Yep, that is the problem. You know what always works out to have great matchups, whether schools like it or not, conference play. Because yep. you know who's in charge of those? Not the schools, but the schools in football and basketball get to have control over their non-conference slates. So they're just going to set it up in the most advantageous way for them possible, which sometimes gives us really good matchups and games, but does not maximize the amount of quality matchups that are going to be high interest on television that you could possibly have. It is a flaw in college sports. I don't know if we'll ever get that, but if Roger Goodell came down and was put in charge, he would make a few changes. Well, and it all comes down to money, too, if you have money. And I'm going to throw out two whack teams as an example, GCU and California Baptist. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at GCU's non-conference schedule, I mentioned this already, they leave Phoenix, Phoenix, not just the state of Arizona, just Phoenix, one time in their non-conference slate to go to Liberty 
to play a ball game. Is that yeah? Because they play, play Arizona game? State is their other one, right? Uh, no, they don't. I don't think they play Arizona State this year. But every game is either at GCU Arena, or it's at the Footprint Center right there in downtown Phoenix for their MTE. So, outside of the Liberty game, they play one game outside of Phoenix because they can buy all those home games. They have the money to do it. Plus, mm-hmm. people want to come to Phoenix and come to GCU for they want to experience that atmosphere. CBU is kind of similar from what I've seen with their schedule. They may leave Riverside, California one time this year. One time because they host an MTE this year. Their alone game from what we've seen already announced, they're going to Oregon to play the Ducks. That's it. So GCU's going to go play the Ducks? No, CBU is playing the Ducks. Sorry. Oh, CBU CBU is playing the Ducks. Okay. Between CBU and GCU, they leave their hometowns twice. Out of all of their non-conference games, that, and that—that's the epitome of—that's the epitome of my argument, Kyle. Which is right. Individual schools having the power to rig it in their own best interests is not in the best interests of the sport writ large. Yep. Well, and here's the other thing, Spencer. And we're we're going to start talking about this resume seeding system again. If either one of those two teams loses at home, we saw what it did in the first year of this resume seeding system. They will get hammered, like hammered hammered, hammered, because they're not quad one or quad two opportunities at home. So if you're going to schedule all those home games, you better win every single one of them. So we'll see what happens. But talking about this resume seeding system, let's By the way, real quick, did you eat a caramel apple pop earlier? Is that why your tongue is green? No, I had the tootsie roll, fruit tootsie roll, fruity, whatever they are, the... I don't know. I don't know what those are. But the first thing I think of is always those caramel apple pops. Green, t- fruity Tootsie Rolls, what are they called? I figured it was something sugary and candy related. Anyway, we can get back to basketball, but I've just well, been wondering that for the last you. five I minutes. I got to show you this. Look at this. Okay, let's the see. Green it. Tootsie Roll Fruit Shoes. Do you see this? It's not yeah. in. There it is. Maybe. Almost. Maybe. Possibly. There, there it you is. Go. Wow, I've never seen those. I didn't know Tootsie made fruit shoes. Oh yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. Anyway, I've only ever had the caramely, chocolatey Tootsie rolls, which are I can't delightful. Believe my tongue's green. That's kind of annoying. Anyways, guys, <laughs> back to the resume seating system. So, the WAC is going to implement it again year two. Uh, last year it was very interesting because the regular season champions were not the one seeds at the WAC tournament due to the resume seating system. SFA women had a big time gap between them and. Uh, Southern Utah, and then on the men's side, I think it was Southern Utah had like a half a point edge over Utah Valley. It was yeah, it was coming down to the last day of the regular season. Right, and so it all played out. Um, neither one of the top two seeds on the men's side got to the championship game. Southern Utah obviously won the women's uh, tournament. They're going to do it again. We have 11 teams, which means every team is playing each other twice. So it's very interesting that they're keeping this in place. I had Drew Sparrow on last last week on a podcast episode. He talked about why they're going to keep it on because the NCAA tournament committee likes the system that they have set up. So, And another announcement that they're going back to a ladder bracket. Eight teams are going to WAC Vegas. So the top two seeds will get a double buy into the WAC semifinals. Big news there. Spence, what do you make of the seating system, the bracket, and the importance of, well, let's put it this way, winning home games, guys. Like, any home game that you have, you have to win. Seating system, not the biggest fan. Um, definitely understand the thinking behind it. But thus far, 
you know, the intention was to get schools to schedule quality non-conference opponents. But if that was, you know, really working, why would we have to make a rule about, hey, you can't have as many non-D1s on your schedule, by the way. If it was so incentivizing, then they wouldn't, do, they, they wouldn't have needed to do that, I don't think. I mean, it's covering all your bases, I right. guess. But I, I think that what should matter the most is conference play. And, you know, it may be in the league's best interests to have schools want to go and play quality G5, mid-major, low-major, power five games, pick up those wins to try to become a two-bid league, right? That's what the conference is, I think, fundamentally trying to do with the resume seating system. And it should be given time to be to be fair and, you know, play the other side of my own argument here. It should be given time to see if that ends up working and whether or not in, you know, the next couple of years, a school puts together a schedule and are able to have the sort of season that allow them to get an at-large, and then they are not also the tournament champions, and then they get into the tournament and the whack is a two-bid league because that's, I think, where you have to be striving as a basketball conference. So I, I understand that, but I, I, I really do get the frustrations that people have with it as well because it can be so weird. It's like, well, wait, we, we, we played this team but we moved down or we had a we beat that team in the regular season but we're behind them we have a better record than them but we're behind them and I don't love that I, I I really I really don't love that I don't know if there's a way to thread the needle and you know incentivize good non-conference and also have uh, you know conference games matter above all else maybe add more weight to them than than the non-conference games and not make it all the same I'm not sure how all that could work out but I don't love that your conference games are not the most important thing when you are in a one-bid league like the WAC. That is the way that that I think it should be, and that's not the way that it is with the seeding system. Now, on the eight teams going to WAC Vegas instead of 11, fully support. I, I, I'm fully on board with this. I am the sort of guy who opposes a 12-team college football playoff. I'm the kind of guy who wants to shrink the NBA playoffs. I'm the guy who doesn't want to expand the NFL playoffs like they did. Because what makes sports great is when you have urgency, when yeah. you have a pressure on every game and it matters. And when you are all going to make it to whack Vegas, I think you remove an element of drama from the regular season and, you know, storylines to follow and such for broadcasters like myself to kind of paint that narrative. And I think it's really easy for fans to see that. But I also think that, for for teams that are you know having down years like New Mexico State a, a year ago, of course they weren't able to finish their season, uh, unfortunately. But let's say they had. What, did did we need to see them play in 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 Whack Vegas? I know it's March and anything could happen, but also not any anything can always happen. But it it comes down to what's your priority? Would you rather care about postseason tournament or the regular season? I think your prioritization of the regular season makes it more exciting for fans and again for broadcasters like myself which is certainly part of my thinking here but I also try to look at it from the fan standpoint as well and I don't think you are taking away enough from the conference tournament which is the possibility of a 10 seed making a run to the semifinals or something like that because if a 7 8 or 6 seed makes a run it's still going to be quite a big storyline, especially depending on who that team would be and who the top seeds in the conference are. Right. But 
you are not taking away enough to uh, that enough from the conference tournament to where I would say, yeah, okay, you don't want to do this to bolster the regular season because I think it's more intriguing to follow. You can set up dramatic games, you know, postseason style games, essentially in regular season matchups. It can depend on how the schedule breaks down and everything like that. I think it's more interesting. And by the way, other whack sports do that, right? Volleyball, uh, I think, so- yeah, soccer as well, uh, softball. You don't all make it to the conference tournament, and I don't think that you all should because reaching it, I think, should be somewhat of a goal or an accomplishment for a school, not just not just a given. I'm not yep. in the participation trophy business, Kyle. Yeah, the, the reward. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree. Now, just to be clear, everybody, so you're so you're clear about this. You have to earn your way. You have to play your way into WAC Vegas. So it, the the who goes to WAC Vegas is determined by your record in conference play. Seating then for that tournament is based off of the resume seating system. I think we should all know that by now. But I, I think it gives so much more value right now to have eight teams to where you have to play your way into the tournament. It, it gives so much more value to the regular season because of that. Because Absolutely. not every game means something like you can't just go and say oh yeah we lost one game that's not going to hurt us because we're all going to whack vegas like yeah. you have yeah. to win every game or be in that conversation in the top eight come march 9th when and, the I, and i don't end. like the idea of being able to just kind of coast at the end of right. the regular season or for large chunks of it and then turn it on come tournament. I, I I don't like that. You know, the Miami Heat went to the NBA Finals this past year. I don't think that was good for the league because it sent a very clear message. What in the world does the regular season matter? If yep. you can be an eight seed and make a run, like why, why would I watch regular season NBA basketball if it's not going to matter until the playoffs? I yep. don't want that to be the case in any sport. So I like that they have made this decision to say, okay, we're just going with the top eight. You have to earn your way in there. And in an 11, it's an 11 team conference now without Sam Houston, New Mexico State. I, I think that that's a reasonable, reasonable bar to set. I think six would have been too selective. Um, I think eight is the right number, allows for the matchups. You can still have Cinderella runs, but I, I think that, that it maximizes the regular season and still yeah. keeps the conference tournament competitive and interesting. Absolutely. And every game will be at the Orleans Arena. There's no more games at Michelob Ultra. So it'll start Wednesday. I believe it's Wednesday, March. I wanna we're talking about it already. That's crazy. Wednesday, March twelfth, because the last day of the regular Can't season. Wait. Oh wait, that's not March twelfth. I'm March like I'm 11th. like Bart I'm like Bart Scott, the Jets linebacker, Kyle. Can't wait. <laughs> March thirteenth at the Orleans <laughs> Arena is when it starts. Excuse me. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh everybody remember. Hit the subscribe button to the YouTube channel or go to our Substack, uh, whackhoopsnation.substack.com to subscribe to the – so you don't miss any content that we put out, but also subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss out. Spencer, always appreciate the time. Enjoy talking about new Big 12, Pac-12 realignment <laughs> issues. And uh, stay busy, my friend. Uh, staying busy this time of year. Some people might think it's hard, but in today's world, it is not not hard at all. Always great to be on with you, Kyle, and excited to continue to push push closer towards uh, college basketball being back. November can never come soon enough. Absolutely, my friend. Everybody enjoy the rest of your weekend.
Thanks for listening to the Straight Out of Whack podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Whack Hoops Digest and Facebook under Whack Hoops Digest for all your Whack Hoops news and information.